Welcome, welcome, welcome. Season three, Wind Down with Kev. I am Kevin Spann, Kevin Spann, the insurance guru. And I am so excited today. This season, the hashtag has changed the narrative and party people in the place to be. Trust me, we are going to change the narrative on this one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Wind Down with Kev. I am Kevin Spann, the insurance guru, and I am very excited about this episode. Party people in the place to be to my right. I have none other than Ifani Moma. Ifani Moma, yes, indeed. A local high school legend, Boston College graduate, former NFL player. We're going to talk all about that. But more importantly, we're going to talk about the wonderful things that he has going on right now. So, Ifani, talk to the people. Tell them who you are. Absolutely. So, Ifani Moma. I go by Mo, most commonly. Most people know me as Mo. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, play college ball at Boston College from 2007 till 2011. Um, great experience there. Uh, obviously, great academic school and athletics. And, uh, obviously, like I said, like you said, actually, uh, pursued NFL career afterwards. Played for about five years, and there's a lot of things that happen, right? A lot of bumps and hurdles to climb over in between there. Um, so, yeah, career for five years in NFL. Played for four different teams. Started out in Philadelphia for two years. Um, went to Cleveland and Detroit in 2014. And then I uh, finished my career with the Cardinals 2015 to 2017. Outstanding. Congratulations for uh – surviving all the the highs and lows of of what's involved. You know, I talk to a lot of people, both in my business and personal life, um, that aspire just to have a cup of coffee, um, just to to make that 53-man once. So you did it for five years. But you said something in your your introduction um, about yourself. You mentioned when you referred to Boston College, you talked about the academic experience, not just the athletics. So talk about... um, the academic part of what you did in high school that allowed you to even get into a Boston College. <laughs> it's funny you ask that. Um, you know, I, I give all the credit to my family. Honestly. Okay. I, I come from an African background, Nigerian background. My parents were born in Nigeria, um, came here for college. Um, I had me and my siblings in, in New York. And when they when they had us, the, the whole mentality was, you know, they didn't come here for, for us to, to slack off, right? So we had to take – the academic aspect of, of life very serious to make sure that we had um, a good career that we can f- to, to fall back on, you know, that good foundation. Um, so throughout high school, you know, I was just like a really kid. I messed up. My, my grades okay. weren't great. Okay. okay. They weren't great, um, but but they were good enough. And towards the end of my high school career, I took my, my academics very seriously. Um, and, and it was a struggle because of the, the mistakes I made early on. You know, I had to take the SAT a couple times to okay. make sure I got a good grade. Um, and, and, and by, by the grace of God, Boston yes. college came through, they, they offered me and, and I was able to get through clearinghouse. And, um, at that point, at that point, when I went through those struggles, I realized that I had to, I had to take academics as serious, if not more serious than my athletic uh, career and, and, and also take advantage of, you know, the school itself, right? BC is a phenomenal academic school. They're known for being an academic school first and foremost. And so I made sure that, that I, I took that serious. I got myself into uh, economics. Yes. Um, got a degree in that and, and also communications. 
and then also pursued a, a graduate degree. I was able to get my MBA from Boston College, too. Outstanding. I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and I saw the uh, the graduate degree there as well. But um, I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to your beginning, which is your folks making the decision to come from Africa, specifically for you and your siblings to have the opportunity. I think I saw on IG that you posted something thanking your dad and your mom for the sacrifice that they made. So talk to me and talk to the people about how they came up in Africa and how they came about that decision in Nigeria specifically to make the decision to come to the U.S. and not to slack off when they got here. Absolutely. My dad, talk, he harps on this. He talks about it all okay. the time. He he was the only one out of all his siblings to come to America. The rest Your dad of, is one of how many? Uh, six. One of six. Six. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So he was the, the only one initially to came out, come out. And then, of course, more people started to follow suit. My aunt came, um, and, and, and it started out with a lot of people living in one house, right? My okay. aunt, my dad, they all put in to buy a home in Long Island. Huntington. Um, and, and from there, you know, more and more people started to come. And it, our, our, our home was more of a revolving door. Right? Okay. People that wanted opportunity, people that wanted to get citizenship, people that wanted to find success in America would call our family first and foremost. Um, and, and, and it was just by chance that my dad was able to get here. You know, he was in the lottery. Um, and he got that pick and got an opportunity to go to NYIT, did engineering, and um, bumped around from job to job early on, but then landed a job with the New York uh, DOT. Okay, outstanding. And, and made that career last until he retired in 2011. So, um, like I said, we always had people coming and going and trying to help people get on their feet when they came to America. Um, and me witnessing that, me seeing my family coming and getting different opportunities, but also seeing the grace of my parents, you know, was, was, was truly a blessing for me. And um, Mo, it's okay if I call you Mo? Of you course, said I call yes, you Mo, it'd yes. be easy. I won't mess, I won't mess up the pronunciation. Um <laughs> A lot of people listening to this podcast may not know how the lottery system works. So that what an honor and what a chance it is for someone to have a chance to come to the country. So what did your dad tell you about the lottery system, about how he had to enter to put his name in and, and what it meant for him to win? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, my dad was, was you know, very close with his older sibling, my uncle. Um, and my uncle was was um, pretty established in, in the, the military ranks. And um, my dad always had an interest in engineering. But didn't know exactly what to do um, as far as to you know what to pursue, and put his name in that lottery pick. And what that the way that works usually there's, uh, you know, a, a, like a like a, a fund through the government. They allow people to, to apply, and they choose certain people that are able to you know get access, get a green card to go and, and travel to the states and go to school. And and by chance, my dad won that and was able to come come over to to the states and, and pursue that. And you know he he had a lot of help from my older my older his older brother, my uncle. Um, Know, funding him, giving him money, make sure that he was all right, and and that kind of bond continued throughout after he came here. Well, it's a uh, it's a life changing experience. Um, where my office is at in Middle Village, Queens, I get to uh, hear this story a lot. I ensure people that come to Queens, the probably I think it's the most diverse county in the country. Mm-hmm. There's over a hundred languages spoken there, um, so I love to hear this story because. Um, most people born in America, uh, African Americans such as myself, we don't see the country the same way. And as a result, we don't see it as an opportunity. We miss a lot of opportunities because of that, because we take advantage of because of our backstory is a little bit different. But uh, much love, much respect to your dad, your mom for coming over here and um, setting the standard that you would not slack off. And obviously it paid uh, paid dividends. So you, you're born and raised in Long Island, mm-hmm. John Glenn High School. Um, when did you uh, really take football serious? Ah, man, um, like I mentioned, I have older siblings. I'm the youngest okay. um, of four total, so I have two older brothers and an older sister. And um, it's brother, brother, sister, then me. 
Okay. And so I had two other brothers that played football and were in love with the game. Okay. And we, they started playing early. Little League football, um, Huntington Bulldogs. Okay. Shout out to Huntington Bulldogs. Okay. Um, Coach Will, rest in peace. <laughs> my head, my coach from the Little League. But he, 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 Coach Will used to come to our neighborhood and just recruit kids. Okay. And pick nice. people up and get people to start to play football. And that's how it happened with my older brothers. And, you know, they, they hit the ground hard and, and played middle school, high school, and were fortunate to play in college. And I'm when sure. I saw that, of course, what am I going to do? I'm following suit. I'm, You're following your older brothers. Like I want to be like them. Right? Yes. Um, and so I started playing at seven years old, the Huntington Bulldogs. Played in middle school, played in high school. I didn't really see the opportunity to pursue, um, you know, a scholarship until I got to high school. Okay. You know, I, was, I, I knew I can go to school for free, but, like, the big-time offer to get a scholarship to a big-time program, That's what I realized that when I got to high school, playing for John Glenn, having success on the field, um, and just seeing that I was, uh, you know, talented enough to, to do that and pursue it. Outstanding, outstanding. And how big a change was it going from John Glenn – Playing well, obviously doing extremely well on the island, going to Boston College and to that type of atmosphere. That's such a great question because that's one thing I will never forget was going from John Glenn, where we're playing in front of maybe 100, okay. 200 people, a okay. big game, maybe a few hundred. Okay. Um, going from that environment, um, and mind you, I, I was I was young for my grade. So I got to college, I was 17 years old. Wow, that is young. It was young, I was young. And and I played both offense and defense in high school. Okay. I got recruited as an athlete. Okay. And so when I got to Boston College, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator wanted me to play both sides. Okay. And so I got to BC, I played as a true freshman, um, and I played in my first game at 17 against Wake Forest. That's, that's hard to do. So people that don't, that don't know, to play football in college, um, it's normal, number one, to graduate high school at 18. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're registered at 19. I have three sons, all of whom attended prep school, two for basketball, one for football. So really, your college freshman is usually 19 or 20 before he touches a football field. Correct. Correct. And they have you out there at 17. At 17. At 17. 17. My first three games, I was 17 until Ooh. October 23rd when I, when I hit 18. But like I said, Wake Forest is in front of... 15, 20,000. We had Matt Ryan, a quarterback. Yes. And I was playing in that game. I went down on kickoffs, playing mostly special teams. Nice. Mostly special teams, but having a couple of opportunities to play, take a snap on offense, maybe put my hand in the dirt and play third down on defense, which was unheard of, right? Yeah. Have a receiver go out yeah. and play D end and rush the quarterback on third downs, which was my special team in high school, and they allowed me to do that in college. So I loved I loved that aspect of the game. I just love football. I love playing any, anything that I can play, you know, special teams, offense, defense, and and they gave me that chance, and it was awesome. That's a that's a big chance. I'm very familiar with uh, Wake Forest. Shout out to the Demon Deacons. I have my nephew Eric Williams who went there on the basketball side. So I was I know the atmosphere that oh, yeah. you must have oh. been in. It had to be uh, insane. But um, one hit, you'll grow quick. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I caught I caught turf toe from uh, my first game at 17. I went on on punt return to block. And, you know, like, I'm trying to light somebody up. I have right. all this, you know, anxiety, but also, like, anxious, just try, trying to do something. And I went so hard, I pretty much missed the guy, and I kind of flipped over and stubbed my toe on the ground. Ooh. And I had that wake-up call, like, man, this is it's a whole other speed. This is different. Guys are quick. I'm thinking I can give him, you know, a good hit. And he missed me, and I flipped, and that woke, that woke me up. And you're right, that, that was that, like, welcome to the big league of college, you know, moment for me. It's, uh, it's levels to the game. People throw those words around lightly. Uh, from TV. Now, I've only 
watched every sport, and I never make a mistake from my couch. Mm. I've never turned the ball <laughs> over. I've never fumbled. Not from the couch. I'm 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 perfect. Uh huh. But um, with the lights on and the pads on, it's it's different. That's a whole nother ball game. They say that you can look great on 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 practice and outside of those lights, but when you get on the field and the lights turns on, that's that's when it matters. That's yeah. when you know the true talent, the true you know players. They show up, right? right. And if you're not. It is what it is, right? Maybe you can't handle those lights. But it's a real thing. It's a real phenomenon. I like to say sometimes you get exposure and sometimes you get exposed. That, that's the same. <laughs> that is it. That is it. And it's, it holds true in every circumstance, every situation. Yes. Know? Yes, yes, yes. So you took those lessons from the field, from the from the classroom. One of the things that I liked, you talked in your introduction about your, your journey, John Glenn, Boston College, economics degree, Boston College, master's degree, during your NFL journey, there were two things that I liked that I saw you post about. One was that you always came back and did clinics and gave back to the community. And two, I imagine that you were studying in between camps and workouts and opportunities with the professional teams. Correct, correct. That's how it worked. I I, uh, finished college, like I said, in 2011. Mm -hmm. I didn't enter the NFL until 2013. Okay. And so so the way that kind of panned out, I I applied for my – my MBA program during my senior year. So I graduated, and I was waiting to see if I was going to get into the master's program that summer. We had our first game at the end of August. Mm-hmm. And that first game against Northwestern my senior year, I ended up tearing my ACL. Okay. First game of the season. Wow. And so that happened on a Saturday. I find out that I, I'm getting into the MBA program on Monday. Wow. After I tore my ACL in my fifth year. Um, and so so I had to kind of pivot, rehab, Support my teammates, right, my mm-hmm. senior year, mm-hmm. but also get ready to start grad school and not let the the situation that I was in pull me down, get me in that depression, and kind of like get stuck, right? I had to find ways to get motivated and continue on. And and being there with your teammates, doing the work because a lot of people don't understand that rehab is work, mm-hmm. and it's a part of the job of the student athlete is to attend rehab 100%. and to still attend class and you said something that you couldn't let yourself fall into that because I imagine that a lot of athletes that does happen oh yeah big time and you'll, you'll you can ask anyone that's gone through any major injury right mm-hmm. significant ligament tears or anything that's going to hold them out for a season it's a it's a tough situation to go through right you're expecting certain things you're expecting to be out there and then all of a sudden one second happens and boom you're done right, right. and so you can get stuck in that depression and I did. I got, I got in that moment. I got of stuff. Of course. Right? I had it's only moments. natural. It's only natural. Because just you're a senior, your fifth-year senior, yeah, yeah. not the 17-year-old that mm-hmm. stubbed his toe. Now mm-hmm. is your time to shine. It's the ball is coming to you. You're going to demonstrate all your skills. Everything is going to happen. And then it doesn't. So that is, um, that's a life-changing thing that happens in sports and that happens in business. So, Mo, my theme for this season of Wind Down with Kev is change the narrative. So in that moment, you have these expectations. People like you. Obviously, the league is looking scouts at you. The scouts oh, are coming. Yeah. Your expectation is here. The ACL injury, which I know only as a fan, not physically, never experienced it. Now that dream is deferred. How did you change the narrative just to get focused on other things so you could stay engaged and prepare yourself for the future that you have now on the business side beyond football? Right, right. I'll say this. It took time. It took time. It took a. It took a village. I had to have the right people around me to help me keep my mind right. Because, like I said, I did get stuck in that depression. I was didn't want to talk to anybody. Phone was off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? 
And, and you know, I, like I mentioned, I got into the NBA program. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and another one of my teammates, my roommate, one of my best friends, we both were fortunate enough to get into the NBA program. Excellent. He was still playing, and I was supporting him, but we were in class together, and he was one the guy that I leaned on. He was like my rock to keep Excellent. my head up, right? Like, Excellent. hey, man, you'll be fine. Yep. You know, you'll be fine. We, we actually applied for um, a medical redshirt because okay. I got hurt in the first game. Uh, I thought I can get a sixth year. Ended up getting turned down by the NCAA, which was a whole other whole other story. It took like months. The season ended, and I still was waiting to hear if I can get a six year. So by wow. the time I got that no, that I got deferred, that's when I kind of like went back into depression. But like I said, I had the right people around to keep my mind right and and stay true to my path and and really realign. Like, what, what am I gonna do now that I'm 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 away from football? Because eventually, whether you make it in the NFL with no injuries, eventually you're gonna have to decide. You know, what are you going to do post-football? Because it doesn't last forever. It doesn't. There's only one Tom Brady who, uh, shout out Tom Brady, <laughs> opened up at, at age 44. He started the game. There's only one. Everybody else, if you're fortunate to play to 19, to college, 20s, NFL, you still have a lot of life left. Mm-hmm. You still have 24 hours a day to kill one way or the other, hopefully mm-hmm. positively in, in a good way. Right. Um, you know, there's still a lot of time to kill. But fast forward to the day, obviously you use that time wisely Talk about what you're doing today in the agency that you work with and how you help athletes today. Right, correct. So so you mentioned, you know, finding time to continue to do stuff in the off-seasons. That's what I did when I went to the NFL. Um, I was away and removed from the game for a year. When I got back into, into football and I made the league, what I told myself was that I will make everything count. Why? Because I had, I had lost it. I had lost football, and I was, able to, I was able to, and I was fortunate enough to get it back. And so from that perspective – there was no way I was gonna uh, like mess it up, right? Lose any any opportunity. So I pursued my, you know, the, the the career off the field when I had time, and I also pursued football when I put the football cap back on, and that allowed me to 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 you know figure out what I was interested in, and, and that was marketing. That was that was the the really what what really uh, interested me was was assisting and helping other guys that didn't know ways to make money and ways to pursue things off of the field, and you know not, not have to put their whole selves into football, and, and you know really thinking about what they can do when they have downtime. Instead of p- picking up the control and playing the video game when you're at home right. and practice or in off season, what can you do to advance yourself and better yourself so that when you do retire and the game is taken from you or you can walk away and say, I'm done, you have that next thing to step into. And you have the next identity to claim that that's you, right? So that's kind of what, what, what kind of pushed me to, to get into the, the marketing and the agent representation side of, of the business. You, you said a mouthful there. I'm going to dissect some of that. The, the <laughs> yeah. first part you said, I think anybody can – relate to on the field, off the field, just in life. You said you decided to make every moment count. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Yeah, basically, if there's moments in time where I have the opportunity to either, you know, chill out, relax, you know, hang out with friends, Mm -hmm. I'm going to at least consider, is there there an alternative that's better than what what I'm going to go and do, right? Um, and, and I had that moment a lot. It's great to take the time to relax and chill out, but I would say 80% of the time, when you have free time, you should be thinking about what you're going to do to advance yourself. And that's, and that's what I meant by that. Like, I, I made sure that when I had downtime or if it was the off season, I'm doing something. If, if it's not school, I'm going to go to somebody's job and maybe ask them if I can shadow them. If it's not that, I'm going to go to the NFLPA. And that's if there's things that I can do in the off season. And that's what that's what that's what I did. So I mean, and, and and that's a jewel right there. You would go to somebody's job and not ask for a job, but can you shadow them? Mm-hmm. Talk about one of the shadow experiences that you may have had. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'll say that I'll start with this one: the the marketing realm, the licensing realm. I was able to go in into into New York City and, and intern for a company called Brand Genuity. 
Okay. They are a, a marketing agency, but they represent brands. And really all that means is that they'll go and work with, for example, White Castle. Okay. And they'll find another you know company that's looking to do something, maybe create um, uh, merchandise, you're right? And, and so White Castle will now partner with a Kith. Kith is a big-time merch company. And they'll make product with White Castle's logo on it and do an exclusive only 200 of these shoes are going to come out, right? And so it's about finding those relationships of people that are looking to enhance their marketing, enhance their their you know people that are seeing their 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 brand, and find those relationships that can enhance it. So so that was a great experience. I was able to do that for about two weeks with them in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that I think that's what really got me into the space of of licensing and marketing was that experience of working for Branch Okay, And so I'm, I have a question I want to come back to, but I got to talk about where you are. Talk about the space you're in right now with licensing and marketing and some of the work that you're involved in today. Yeah. So what we do now, I, I work for Rubicon Talent. We represent talent. So we represent people. Not so much the brand side of it, but the, the talent side. Um, and what we do is we partner them with brands and, and companies. And we bring endorsement deals to the talent. Um, we might do activations, appearances, like one-offs, things of that nature. Um, and, and, and really trying to help the athlete make more money off the field, capitalize why they're hot, why they have the jersey right. on. Because once you retire, once you step away from the game, People don't really want to, you know, do right. th- do work with you, and it's, it's natural. You, you're hot, especially when you're football because you play with a helmet on. Uh huh. You know, so you don't have maybe what basketball and baseball have that that face recognition. Right. So right. you have to capitalize when it's hot. So you said something that's really really important to me earlier. You mentioned your journey with the NC two A, and uh, you did it like this. I felt your pain <laughs> and waiting for that. And now fast forward, you're working in branding and marketing. What are your thoughts on the new law that allows high school and college athletes to make money while they're hot? Yeah, phenomenal, you know, step towards the, the right way that the NCAA should be, should be operating, right? right? Like, a lot of guys before this law came out were getting in trouble for just trying to find ways to make ends meet. Like, mm-hmm. right? the, the classic example is Reggie Bush. Yes. Getting an opportunity to give his parents an apartment to come and watch him play, and he got he lost his Heisman Trophy for that. Right. Ridiculous, right? right? So the guy was bringing in tons of money to his school, the face of the program, and he can't even get a dollar to help his parents come and watch him play. It's crazy. So now that we're actually a lot of these laws and we're able to to capitalize on who we are, it's 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 you know it's just a great moment in in history to allow these athletes who are you know they're valuable to the schools, right? They have their jerseys in the bookstore, and they're getting the schools getting money off of their name, image, and likeness. Why can't they get a little money to take care of themselves and their family? I agree, one thousand percent. On every every single level, uh, I've lived this experience. I mentioned I had a nephew that played at Wake Forest. His first year there, played basketball. His first year there, I go to the game, and there are no Wake Forest T-shirts for sale that I can represent as a fan. Mm-hmm. Fast forward one year, they do well, and he does well, and they build a phenomenal store. Mm-hmm. And they're making money, and they become a phenom, and they're in the Elite Eight, and they're competing, and the money's being made, but he doesn't have any. But he doesn't have any. So today, I would even say on a local level, the high school athlete, the college athlete that's not even the star of the team, they have value to small businesses to go to a car, a car dealership, to come into an insurance agency. Mm-hmm. If I have the local star at my agency and people in the town that are excited about him, they're excited about Mo as the star of John Glenn, and you come into my place of business, and you're going to sign things or take pictures that day, Guess what? I make money as a result of that, and you should make money. Exactly. You're adding value to that company. It's, it's a no-brainer. There's a ton of college athletes. 
might not be big name guys at their school, might not be the starter, might not be playing yet, but at their hometown, the local level, they are legends. They right? are they are the guy yeah. and they matter. People mm-hmm. would much rather come to my place of business to talk with you to the local star about sports, and as a result, they might talk to me about insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should get rewarded for 100%. that. hundred percent. I would much rather put those marketing dollars in your pocket than give it to an arbitrary company. And I also would much rather give my customers that experience of interacting with a local athlete and say, wow, mm-hmm. because of Kevin, because of Allstate, I got a chance to meet Mo. Wow. Exactly. And there's levels to it. Same, mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. applies to those college athletes who are in their new you know, market, they're in Ohio, maybe they go to Ohio State, they're in Michigan, maybe they go to Michigan, and they're able to cap, you know, capitalize on their uh, success on the field. They can become the starting receiver their sophomore year, they're recognizable, that local car dealership can bring them in and do an appearance, do a signing, um, autograph signing session, and have fans come in, and the same thing applies. People are there, they're seeing the athlete, but they're in that environment of the business, and they're seeing what's, what what is you know, uh, a mortgage on a car, or excuse me, a, 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 a loan on this car and a car loan, and how do I take out a loan or how do I lease a car? And they're learning about the business. And the same applies to all those local um, businesses, you know, in that college space. So it, there's levels to it. Every single one, everybody benefits, and that allows the athlete to capitalize on their talent. Or coming back to something that you said earlier, um, you wanted to learn how to help athletes make money. Right. And that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal. Thing. So talk about some of the ways that you help them make money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can speak to my experience as a player and also now as a, as a rep, as a, as a talent marketing rep. So as a player, you know, in the NFL, I was scratching the call just to make the roster every single year, right? Mm-hmm. I was a bottom of the roster guy. I wasn't recognizable. I had snaps and I was playing, but I wasn't getting hit the ball thrown to me every game. I wasn't the highlight guy. I was still able to do stuff off the field. I was able to get a water deal. Nice. I was able to get free products from different merch companies and things like that. And, you know, I was me being that bottom roster guy, I was able to do that. And then you go to the other side of the spectrum, you're Larry Fitzgerald's of the world. You're, it's you different. know, all those big name guys are doing the huge deals, right? But everybody has a place to make something happen, right? So so really realizing that as a player, no matter who you are, no matter where you are on the roster, you can do something off the field. There's stuff to be, to, to be had. And then when you lose a jersey, the value goes away. And now, as a rep, really is about just scouting and seeing, you know, who has what representation, who doesn't have representation, who needs help, who needs to learn, Right about this 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 side of the, of the market or the industry because I'm not looking to sign guys all, all the time. Right. I'm looking to educate guys. I'm looking right. to have them understand what they can do. And if they need my help and they're willing to sign me, even better. Like, I'll help you 100%. Right. But right. as long as you understand and taking advantage of this, you know, this way of capitalizing to make money, you're, you're good in my eyes. And I'm sure guys love talking to you because you were them. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely understand it as opposed to someone that might be coming from academia or – some other place that never had the jersey on, and they might not connect with you emotionally with where you're at and how you're feeling. And I think that's more important than everything else. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Just understanding that, you know, <clears throat> that's how it works for me when I, when I go into meetings with, with clients and, and players. It's like, oh, you used to play. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what you did off the field. And mm-hmm. I start to talk about it, and they're just like, wow, like I did not know. You know, I only thought that, you know, if I was a big name or a guy that was starting, I can go ahead and get a, a Bose headphones deal, right? Or get a, a, a body armor deal. No, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of companies that yes. are looking for help for yes. branding and marketing. And really, <clears throat> I think it starts, what I tell a lot of players is like, it starts with branding. You can't get a marketing deal until you think about your brand. Who are you? Who are What's you? authentic to you? Yes. You know what I'm saying? What, yes. what kind of toothpaste do you use? What's in your toiletry bag when you go to games or things like that? Like, what's authentic to you? And then, like, go, like, you know, go out and think about who you want to work with. 
right? Okay. If if you're using a, a small company's product, why can't you get a deal? Maybe you can get free product from them. You don't have to pay for that. So there's opportunities for everyone in the space. I just think it's 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 about learning and understanding and then attacking, right? So uh, I love everything that you said. Uh, one thing that's really exciting, we talked a little bit before we did this, is not only what you've done and what you're doing now, but you got another power move. You got another bullet in the gun. You're getting ready to shoot. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about what that next steps. Let's talk about law school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is something that I've been passionate about since I was in college. Was you know I got into the MBA program and I loved what I learned. I've always had more of a business mindset as far as like how does money work, um, how does the economy work. But then I started to think about policy and like the, the, to me the true power is, is to the people that are making the rules, right? Lawmakers. Um, contract writers, people that are, are you know, the, the first person to, to, to see things and then the catalyst to make it go. They have to read the contract and say, okay, it's good to be signed. Now we can start doing business. Right. That always intrigued me. Um, and so when I retired, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do in the long run, I figured that law school would be the, 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 the route that I would want to take and doing it in a way that was different. Not right. so much about going to law school to be the best and get the top ranking and go ahead and work for a top law firm and intern and then get a job. It was more about learning the law, understanding how to write and how to read in that lawmaker breath, right? And and so I, I started to study back in, like, 2018. Okay. I took my first LSAT in, like, 2019 and took my time, okay. continued to work. Um, and, and so I, I took my last LSAT this past July. Okay. I have applications ready and sent out for this new cycle in September and, and, and ready to, to hear back from schools and see what I'm going to do next fall. Let's go. I think we already know the outcome. I already <laughs> think the, uh, the way this story ends, first it starts with uh, you getting accepted. Uh, there'll be a graduation. There'll be a passing of a bar. Yes, sir. And then there'll be a representation where you will be the one either drafting or looking at terms and conditions of different contracts. Correct. Um, people... Think of the law. Um, I know growing up I had legal aspirations, lawyer aspirations, and I always thought of the law as criminal representation, but the law is so much bigger than that. No business deal really gets done until there's contracts. Without contracts, it's just conversations. Correct, 100%. There's just conversations, and, you know, I have, I've been so fortunate enough to have a lot of mentors that I can lean on and ask these questues to and continue to learn from them. Because, you know, it's, it's one thing to see what's going on and hear about it, but when you are able to sit down and see, like, oh, this is how it works? You yes. know what I'm Not so much, like, of me being on a computer and researching, but I'm able to go into somebody's office and hear about these things or look at contracts that were done and understand that it, it does start with them, right? And they are the person that's going to get things going, right? Nobody wants to do a deal without having it revised, right. having it, you know, to make sure that they're taken care of. And that starts with the lawyer. And, you, and you've seen good and bad do- deals, right? Oh, yeah. On the field, off the field, you hear about guys stuck in bad deals, so you know what you don't want. So mm-hmm. let's talk about what you do want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so that is uh, that. That's amazing. I'm excited for your uh, for your future, and uh, you know, definitely excited about what you've done, but definitely excited about um, what's next for you. Right, so, right. Um, talk about your dad uh, a little bit more. Yeah. Retired now, your older brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, is he happy with the outcome that you didn't slack <laughs> off, that you took the uh, sacrifice very seriously? It's, it's, it's a great question because I mentioned it earlier. I, I come from that Nigerian background, and you know, fellow Nigerians out there that are listening, I'm sure they can relate. Yes. 
African parents are very, very, very yes. particular with what their their kids do. You're either going to go to law school, you're either going to medical school, you're going to be an engineer. One of the three. No, af- no athletics. As you're saying it, I'm running fringe through my head that I'm going to tag on this because he's talking directly to y'all. I understand. They go know ahead. and they understand. So I had three other siblings, or I have three other siblings, and they all are in the medical profession. Um, my sister is an interventional radiologist. Uh, my oldest brother is a pharmaceutical doctor. My second oldest brother is a physician assistant, and I was kind of like the black sheep. I didn't want anything <laughs> to do with medicine. I didn't want anything to do with that side of, of the world, right? And, and so, you know, I, I kept pursuing business. And it, being an NFL athlete and, and my parents go ahead and go to parties and events and functions and talking to their, you know, their friends and yes. talking about what the kids are doing, and yes. they will always talk about my sister first. Right. Then they'll talk about my oldest brother. <laughs> then they'll talk about my brother. Then they'll get to me. It's like, my daughter's a, a doctor. Yeah. And, but my son, he plays football. But my daughter, <laughs> she's an interventional radiologist. Like, let me talk oh more about my that. God. So my dad, of course, they're proud of me. Yes. Um, but but they, they've always kind of had that, like, academics is most important. And and now that I am pursuing the law degree, my mom is there. Like, I'm like, good. Now, you, know? now you can have seconds on Thanksgiving. Yes. You're good now. Yeah, I'm good now. I'm not the <laughs> I don't have to be in the back anymore. No, no, no. No, well, uh, definitely congratulations to you. Shout out to your parents, all that you've, uh, all that they've done to make you the man who you are. Shout out to you for the path that you've taken, what you've done uh, for others during this process and what you're doing now. You had one other thing I noticed on your your LinkedIn between your internship and your shadowing and where you are today. You spent some time with the NFL Players Association. How much did you learn in that experience that's helping you today about what athletes actually go through? Right, right. That, I, that was such an uh, incredible experience for me. I learned a ton from NFLPA, and I'm still very close with the, with the people there and, and the people that I was working under. But the things that I learned, you know, I, I was able to work in the player development department. Okay. And the player development department was, or player affairs really department, was they were the ones that kind of created the opportunity for me to come in. I was a part of a fellowship program. I had to apply. Um, it was a paid program, um, but it was very competitive. And I was chosen, thank God, um, and, and got this opportunity. But what I was able to learn was the player development side of things. How are the players that came into the NFL, played in camp, and then that was it, right? The career was done. How are they, you know, being handled after they're retired, right? right. Who's who's assisting them? Who's helping them? Right. Not only mentally with their mental you right. know, uh, stability and fortitude to make sure they're not depressed or anything like that, but also – you know, the process, how, like, what do you want to do? Who are you wor- going to work for? Like, what is that thing that you're interested in outside of football now that it's done, right? right? So I got to learn a ton about the player development side and player affairs side. And then on the other side, I got to shadow people on the for-profit side of the Players Association. Mm-hmm. So I got mm-hmm. to work on the NFL Players, Inc. and learn about group licensing, learn about just licensing in general, right? How, how are they handling marketing for the players in a group setting, right? When when a brand wants to work with a multitude of players, they have to pay for that. They have to get right. a license and pay the NFLPA for that, and the NFLPA takes that money and disperses it evenly amongst all of the, the NFL players, right? So so it's, you know, learning about the way that they operate to make sure the guys are taken care of and the, and the metrics of licensing and the metrics of player development has really been something that I've been leaning on now that I've left. I learned a ton, and I'm able to take it and utilize it in the things that I do now. And people, by metrics, he means money. It's a <laughs> lot of money, it's and it's way more to the game and understanding the game. Um, I'm, a, I'm a dad of three sons, two play basketball, one play football, um, but I'm all about the off-the-court off and off-the-field life, and I mentor a lot of young people. So to young people that's maybe in high school, college, and have aspirations of playing football, what would you say to them? First, about 
what they should be doing academically and mm-hmm. second athletically and then and lastly career wise what they should be thinking about I think everything starts with with discipline it's such a I think to me it's such a easy term that's thrown out a lot but true discipline right like self-control knowing that you should be pushing yourself to do the most that you can when you can so so being disciplined enough to go to practice and, and bust your behind when you're on the field being disciplined enough to after practice, go into study hall, go into whatever to take care of your academics, and being disciplined enough to get home, shower up, eat your food, and get your butt in bed, right? Yes. Sleep, to yes. me, is the most important part of everything. You yes. can't really function at a high level if you're not taking care of yourself. You're Absolutely. So, so just having that discipline to, to make sure, you know, when you're, when you're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to attain a goal, especially something that's of a high level where a lot of people are competing to get there, you got to start to think of yourself as a business and, and start to think of yourself as that, like, that thing that's going to get you to where you're trying to go, and you got to Handle yourself in that manner. Take yourself serious. Be disciplined. If you really want this thing, that's your that's your rock. You got to lean on that discipline, and it's going to really really help you to get to where you're trying to go to. No, I absolutely agree. And one other thing, you're in the branding space, license space, and legal space, and and people think of brands, but everybody's a business. You said everybody's a brand. What would you say to young people? even professionals and college people that have access to all this social media about how important it is from a young age mm-hmm. to not post every oh, emotional man. thing that pops into your your mind that right. could be damaging to your future brand, regardless oh, of how good you are. Oh, man, especially now that you know guys are able to capitalize at a younger age, mm-hmm. it's even more important to really be cognizant and understand, you know, understand what's the process, right? So to me, it's like, being being true to yourself, being authentic with what you're putting out there, do that. Be true. Be real. Mm-hmm. Be real. Mm-hmm. But being real to a fault is a real thing too. You don't yes. want to put yourself out there too no. much. You don't want to expose yourself out, out you know, too much. You don't want to be on Twitter trolling or saying bad things. You know what I'm saying? But as long as you know that you're a good person and, and you know, you're not doing anything to, to, to negatively hurt anybody and you know, that's who you are, then you can be true about who you are on social media as well. Portray yourself. Speak your truths on Twitter and post the pictures that are true to you on, on Instagram. But as long as you're not being detrimental to others and, and doing things that are really, uh, you know, negative, you know, that's the issue. That's where you run into problems. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I, I believe that 100%. Be a good yeah. person. Be good to other people. Don't be negative. You yeah. Know? That's, yeah. If you have something that's uh, not for you, just don't post about right. it. Right. And that, that's what I tell guys is like, what should I do? How do I rebrand myself? It's like, you don't have to go crazy. Mm-mm. Just be true. What, what did you eat tonight? Mm-hmm. If, it was, if it was good, <laughs> you cook something nice, post a picture of it, right? Do you, you know, you might see something on Twitter, this player... Score this, you know, maybe somebody has an opinion about it. If you feel like what you're about to say is it holds credit and it holds weight, and maybe a lot of people will agree with it, post it. That's mm-hmm. that's who you are and that's what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Do it. As long as it's not detrimental, it's not attacking anybody directly, and it's not like you know something crazy, go for it. Be, but just be authentic and be real. Be be yourself. Yeah. Mo, this has been incredible. Just getting a chance to know you, to talk to you. Anything at all you wanted to share with people? Anything I should have asked you that I didn't ask? I think you hit it on the head, man. My my whole truth is just honestly, I've said it over and over. It's just being you, being real, being genuine. I think that that goes a long way. Um, and then also when you're trying to accomplish something, stay disciplined, keep working hard. That that that'll take you through life, and, and you'll attain success if you continue to work hard and stay disciplined. So, absolutely. Where can people follow you at? Um, whether it's on social media or otherwise, so they could be aware of your, your next moves that you're in the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mo- I think all of my handles is um, at E underscore MoMA. So everybody knows me as E. That's why it's E. But E underscore MoMA, that's my Instagram, Twitter. Uh, TikTok as well. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> Y'all trying to find me on TikTok. I know us older heads are already on there. But I am on there. So, so uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. 
paper one time for Mo. Please follow this man. Absolutely incredible. Still a very, very young man. An inspiration to me. Very informative to me. Uh, parents that watch this, please have your sons follow him. You know, listen to teacher, listen to coach. Sometimes you need someone that's outside of it, that has been there and done that. And I definitely recommend that you follow his lead athletically, academically, and how he sees and views the world. It's a absolute credit to him, to his wonderful people coming from Nigeria, setting the standard for your siblings academically and for yourself and everything that you've done. And hopefully you like what you've seen here. If you do, click that subscribe button below. We want to bring you more fire just like this, people that are doing amazing things and changing the narrative every day. Thank you. Thank you.